You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. My time is yours. I was the last man standing. I am the man, and the man feels no pressure. You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine. Fear from the man that rules the world. There we are. Welcome to the Vicious Circle. Sid Bud, how you been doing? Doing good, Rob. Yourself? Oh, just, you know, living the dream as much as I can up here in quarantine. <laughs> up in quarantine Canada? Exactly. At least you're safe up there. Yeah, it's it's been getting better, but I've noticed our numbers are going up just a little bit. So. Yeah, we talked about that. It's crazy, man. Yes. So now how are you feeling? Because I know you've been looking great. No, I'm feeling good, man. I just, I'm little worried about starting you know, my new day tomorrow. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right off the bat. Kyle says, hey, from Green Bay. <laughs> hey, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle's always been listening. Anytime we had the live show, he would he would jump right in. Good deal. And then Stephanie. Stephanie Line, she did a comic book for us for our Comic-Con uh, CK Expo. Okay. She she did all the art in our last ep- our last issue, so she's an amazing artist. Wow, that's awesome! Thanks. So, you said uh, you've got your day tomorrow. What's what's going to be different about your day tomorrow? Well, I'm going to really start trying to push myself forward past this hernia surgery. Now, I'm going to start. You know, we talked a little bit about it. I think yesterday or today, uh, where I'm going to start really start pushing the weights again. Uh, and I've, you know, this is something I know, and I've tell everyone I talk to is that when you've taken a little time off or whatever, for whatever reason, it was just time off or injury or whatever, don't try to go A to Z because especially at my age now, we're going to get to a burnout or injury faster than we want to. So I'm going to just hopefully get into a groove tomorrow and start pushing forward and, and, um, see, of course, when I die, like I do too, Rob, one of my goals are, and it's going to be hard to. Uh, determine where my strength is, but I'd like to get as much strength back as I can, even at a low weight versus the higher weight. Uh, and that's hard to do. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what this muscle memory is going to help me with. And, um, but again, I'm a little anxious about it as well. Yeah. Well, we talked a bit too, like you've, you've conditioned yourself so much that it's going to be a bit easier to come back than a normal right. person. What's the first thing you're going to look at? Like um, is it going to be cardio or is it going to be more physical? I'm going to always look for cardio first, because if you got your cardio, the, the, you know, the, the weight stuff and the, and the, I'm going to start tomorrow with a little footwork. I'm not going to try to do so much to my calves and my front, uh, shin, those muscles, those little shin muscles in front don't get cramping and stuff like that. My hamstrings and stuff like that. I'm going to start doing a few free squats tomorrow. And then I'm going to do a few in my, in my Smith machine in my garage. And then, um, just trying to set this up to where if everything clears up here in the next few months, maybe I can actually get back into a real gym. That's excellent. Uh, Rich here wanted you to know you're a big inspiration for him. Hey, man. Thanks, Rich. And uh, Gene said, hey, from Calgary, any good memories from Calgary and good luck on the surgery rehabilitation? 
No, um, a lot of good memories from Calgary. But ones that always stand out to me are the ones when I got to run across Stu Hart uh, when he showed up to the to the arenas. Um, that's when my, you know, I was pretty, you know, new to the business still. And it's always nice to hear uh, a guy of his caliber. And I'm, I'm not using this in a bad term, but an old timer. And mm-hmm. I liked it when the old timers, you know, gave me credit or a little pat on the back. You know, we're all, we're all looking for that. And those were my memories in Calgary. And then the good food and the, and the things like that. And with Stu, too, he's iconic when it comes to wrestling, especially in Canada. Right, exactly. Excellent. Uh, let me see here. Where is this one? Sean said, once it comes up, come on, computer, don't argue with me. Any chance Sid will come back to WWE or AEW? You know what? I just recently started thinking about, I see how there's so many doors opening for people like myself, you know, either be a manager or something like that. Um, I think is where the business is too, right about now, if a person might be able to get into a situation a lot easier than they were before, because when they open the doors back up, they're going to need a lot of new faces and people that are established like myself, you know, so that's never out of the, out of the, the thought process for me, but um, it'd be interesting to see how, how things go. Yeah. Cause you see Jake and AEW, you know, right. and then like you said, they're going to need that push there, that familiarity that brought right. back in. Well, it's going to be a tough deal when and things do open up, they want to be able to roll. You know what I mean? Cause the, we talked about it before too, Robbie and myself is that I believe when things do open back up, they're going, it's going to be easy to do business in the beginning because people are dying to get out. But as then after that flood is over, um, what do you do after that? So they're gonna they're gonna need to really keep it going for a while. Exactly. People are just you know starving for entertainment of any kind. Right. Uh, here we go. Michelle wants to know who's your favorite current wrestler and why. You know, honestly, uh, uh, wow. And this is weird because I don't know the guy or anything like this, but I've, I've been watching AEW a little bit. I did notice the other night on WWE that they've made a few changes with the camera angles, which makes things look a little better than they did. You know, uh, they're fil- filtering in a few, a little sound and stuff. Um, uh, but again, a uh, guy I'm looking at, just because he reminds me of an old friend of mine, Tommy Rogers, is, um, is that, oh, God, what's his name out of AEW? It goes short. I don't know his name. Um, oh shoot, uh, Kenny Omega. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just—he's just—I don't know. I never liked that style, that too theatrical stuff like that. But all those guys in that territory worked their butts off. But he really works his butt off, and because um, it's a little old school, it's sort of fun to watch. Very cool. Um, this person has a question. I'm not sure. Question for Sid. Who was Doink the Clown at the 97 Slammy Awards? And what was Vince's plans for the Slammies? Was it a relaxing night off? You know what? I don't remember much about the Slammies, Rob. Um, there were so many Doinks, too. I don't you know remember all of them. Um, so I, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. I don't remember Doink at 97 Slammies at all. I don't either. Oops, and here we go. Rich said, uh, you're welcome, Sid. Thank you for all the best matches to this day, whether it was WCW or WWE. He watches them religiously. Well, thank you, Rich, for that comment. 
Um, no, I, I enjoyed myself in both territories, and I hope that I did give people some some memories. Oh, I have no doubt because I, I even when you talk about your favorite match, and this guy's going to ask a question: What was your best match that you liked? Like, you know, that match to me is iconic. The one that you mentioned, right? So, uh, which one do you consider your favorite out of all of them? Rob, I'll tell you is, um, I go back to a couple, um, three or four. One when the match was Sting with, um, I didn't know the finish. The other was with um, uh, Bigelow when we were on a tour over over in Europe. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember all the towns. We I think we ended up in Austria, but we just tore it down, and it was such a bleed over from that that that's when I. I think that was sort of the beginning days of getting off the whipping post, you know, mm -hmm. then it was getting off the whipping post with Vader and then it would be with Sean. Um, and it, again, Sean was like, I've, I've explained to me times. He was a really good guy to work with. He was giving, not selfish, you know, at least with me. And um, so that made the match. And then what I think I really accomplished that night. And that was taking the belt from the WWF, you know, um, it was just all because my ability to, do the things I've said I'm able to do and that's draw money. And Chris pointed out something very, very true. Your facial expressions back in the day were awesome because you were able to speak without saying a word. Right. That's what I tried to do guys. Uh, now um, I like, you know, that's something I want to be able to do is I want to be able to milk something for, for as long as you can. And I always consider myself a pretty good uh, interview. So if I knew I was going to get to a good interview, but if I could, take a while getting to that that just made the interview much better so and guys that that didn't happen overnight that took me a long time to figure out all those things you know um body language facial expressions you know um letting people and this is a word i i think is overused but it does show up sometimes right here in psychology when i could just sort of stand there then all of a sudden just look over to the side and the people go oh my god who, if I was walking towards, they go, please get out of the way. This guy's about to kill you, you know? And, um, I always wanted to make people believe that what I was doing was real. And I think I did that. How much of that did you, did you control? Like, is before they would come to you with ideas and stuff, this is what we need you to say and all that. Were they ever guiding you as far as, you know, facial expressions or anything like no. that? Is it? No? no, no. I had to come up with all that. I came up with almost all my own interviews, Came up with other guys' interviews, for, helped them with their interviews as well. Um, but again, I did all that on my own. Uh, every once in a while, I was someone would suggest something to me, and I've always told the story. I never really used much of it. There was one time Vince did have a really cool uh, little segment where I was at the Alamo Dome by myself, did a live a live interview for Raw. I think it was that night. Uh, that was the only time I didn't do do it myself, and I. I I think that was a really cool interview. So I give him that much credit, but um, everything else I can remember, Rob, I did it on my own. And that's something I've, I talk about is um, you have to be a little bit of an opportunist where I took advantage of those situations. And um, and the reason I did this too, and, I'll, and I think about when I tell this story about how I took advantage of situations, it wasn't for any reason, but other than this, this business is at work, right? So I've got to, um, try to talk uh, or, you know, talk up the story or whatever like that. Cause it's, it's all part of selling tickets. So I wasn't doing anything maliciously or, 
or purposely wrong to anyone. I was doing it to try to get myself over. And um, that's what I did. You know, just trying to get myself over. That's what you had to do at, in, in, right. that, in that area. And that's, that's the weird part about wrestling because you have to give, but you got to be sure to take too. Right. Exactly. Um, now, I don't think I was a much, I wasn't a, a giver like a lot of people, Rob. I was a taker, you know. Um, but again, no, you have to be able to do those kind of things. And I, I think that's what's wrong with the, the business today. There's nobody out there just taking off. And But again, I think when you look at AEW, that's why the appeal that, to that to me is that. You can see that people are able to take off and run at their own speeds, you know, like Kenny Omega, um, that guy, Jack Stryker or whatever whatever his name is, this being managed by Jake, you see he sort of take off on his own a little bit. You know what I mean? He probably, Of course, that's where somebody like Jake needs to really work with him and get him pushed up to that next spot, that next level. And that's yeah. what – I'm sure Jake would do that. That's what his job is to do. Um, but, you know, we got to think where Jake's level was. It's not that high. You know, he wasn't a killer where this striker guy is, you know. And he's got everything it takes – all right now to do well in this business uh, as long as the company lets him do well and he takes advantage of the minutes he has out there and makes all every minute count that's i noticed he goes to the camera a lot and talks to the camera which is good just before you get there think about what you have you know already have in your mind what you're going to say uh, it could be something about that match it could be something about the match next week um it could be your catchphrase you know um but he, he's everybody there is working real hard. Excellent. Now, we talked about how people from around the world are actually seeing this. Uh, here's Donna. She's saying hello from Alabama. Hey, Donna. From there, we have Zoran all the way from Croatia. Hey, Zoran. Greetings to the master from Croatia. Uh, there was another question. Here it is. Um, question for Sid. If Hogan would have fought Flair at WrestleMania 8, would you have gone against Savage in some angle? I'm sure I would have done whatever was asked of me that night, but the whole idea was for me and Hogan to be at, Wrestle <clears throat> at WrestleMania. So I don't think they would have ever changed that. Gotcha. And then we have this gentleman here, Rocky, <laughs> Rocky Turner. Got a couple of legends right here. Hey, Robin Sid. Hey, Rock he's the, the gentleman from virtual asylum. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Let me see here. The autograph guy? That's the one. Yeah, I just left a message on his voicemail a minute ago. Oh, did you? Yeah. You go, Rocky, check your voicemail. <laughs> oh, and then the doctor. Looking good, Sid. You're always full of great information. Best of luck on your rehabilitation. Thanks, Steve. He just wants you better. That way he can pick on you more. I know, right. I know. <laughs> uh, here we go. This is from William. How did you like Continental Championship Wrestling? Those were probably you know, some of the best memories of my wrestling career uh that's when again um that's when i first found out the word jealousy so you didn't that wasn't a, a, a problem there so again nobody's making any money everybody's just having fun um um and then of course i've always kept blinders on and i'm just looking at the the roses you know so to me it was still a lot of fun i only had one incident where i had to confront people about jealousy that was in gaddison alabama where um, I think I told the story, Bill Tav threw him under the bus. They called himself the black warrior, really nice guy. I'm in the dressing room and it's so hot in there. You can't breathe. And he says, Sid, um, 
when you're not in this restroom room, th those guys are talking really bad about you. I said, what are you talking about, Bill? He said, uh, they said that you're the boss's stooge or blah, 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 and you can't work and stuff like that. So I waited for everyone to come back in, and I just hit them all up one time. I said, guys, Bill told me that you guys are talking about me when I'm not in here. I said, y'all got something to say, say it right now. And if they don't, I didn't hurt. I never, I didn't hear anything from anyone. So I didn't think jealousy was around anymore. Or if it did, at least I let them know how I felt. Yeah. And so for me, I, I, I brushed that off and kept going and kept having fun. Um, Cause I was always worried about myself first, you know, you see Bill over in the corner going, Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. Well, and that's true too. Like in continental, you were still learning like everything. Right. You know, when we first talked about you learning, I was still amazed that you learned under kayfabe, you know, they yeah. weren't even letting you in while you were training. So man, that's crazy. Uh, let me see. Troy says, how was your time in ECW and how did you feel about Paul? Uh, I've said this much times. I had a lot of fun there. It was um, glorified independent territory. Uh, Paul was, he's, he's a little bit weird. I mean, nice guy to a degree. Um, of course, really, one of those deals we have to listen to every sentence he says and try to figure out what scam he's pulling. Like, he always put me in weird places, positions out there where he thought I didn't know what was going on. Uh, just, again, um, I think it speaks for himself. His territory folded, and he had something really good there, and he could have done something good there. But he just uh, wasn't smart enough or didn't – I don't know. He wasn't working, so he shouldn't have an ego. Um, but I, it's just his method of how the business worked was always going to be really small. You can never branch out uh, warning the fans not to get behind the wrestlers, only behind the company's name. And that just doesn't sell – you know, you're not going to do big, big business like that. No, no, because people go to the to the promotions because of the wrestlers. Right, exactly. Yes. Okay, here's another question. Uh, ben Carmichael, did you feel you really needed Harvey as a manager in WWE? No, I didn't need him. This was the thing was is um um he was going to be with um Big Bully Music and uh Nick just didn't get over and uh, they had to fire him. So they put him with Warlord and Warlord wasn't going anywhere either and then they turned me from babyface to heel and then so when I went to Hill, I just said, I'm going to take him with me. Actually, um, sort of stupid of me to do this, but I told Vince, that, I forget what town, I won't think it was somewhere in Texas. I said, uh, Vince is either he manages me or um, or else pretty much. And so they put him with me. I remember you telling me that. Uh, and this is another point you brought up once before, too. He, Benjamin Smith says, your ability to slow down in a match and stalk opponents. Did you learn that from horror movie villains like Jason or Mike Myers? Well, uh, not so much. Uh, that would be that. I got it from horror movies and horror books I read. That's where I came with a lot of my interview material. I uh, read a lot of different types of books for interviews. But uh, that's where I got it from, horror movies. And then um, Eddie Gilbert one time told me about a guy named um, Johnny Valiant. Because I was putting, I told the story before, where I was put in positions where I had to do a lot of count outs and DQs and double DQs and stuff like that, which I just didn't like those kind of finishes. Um, but to try to keep the people somewhat into it and where they didn't feel like they were being ripped off, you know, we'd do the old thing where I'd walk back and the, you know, 
the baby face would go to the microphone and say, hey, Sid, five more minutes. And then I'd look around and I'd take like one step forward when the people got to their, you felt as far as they could come with it and then turn around and walk away. Now, I don't believe in that, but I, I, that did work like that. I don't think it's a great way for a hill to get heat, but uh, just little things like that. I always, uh, we said it earlier, Rob, I always try to find out again how to start it at a, at a, at a complete stop, you know, before I move. Because if, you, if you're moving, people don't have time to pick up on like, you know, get out of the way. So sometimes I might grab the guy and hold, but this is my idea of not grabbing hold. So that waffling him, you know, across the chest and having tell him to get on all hands and knees and crawl away. And as he's crawling away, I sit there for a second. And then as he's crawling and crawling, then I, again, I just looked to left to right and people are like, Oh my God. Then I said, and then I'd start really they go, oh, they're like, Oh no, get out. And then I'd make that one step. Rob, to me, that's more satisfying than doing 15 clotheslines mm-hmm. and get a lot of unnecessary cheap pops, you know? So when it was to me, that's, that's acting, you know? Oh, huge. Cause that, that's the fear that you have in, in the people. You know, right. they're, they're afraid for that guy on the mat. Right. Oh, excellent. Uh, Eric has a question here. Eric Hines says, what title do you feel was the most prestigious WWF or WCW? I don't know. I, I think um, for me, the WWF belt meant the most because that's where I did the most business. I, I could see firsthand results from being with that belt. WCW, they were on a downhill spiral. It was really just put on me. I don't even know why it was put on me. Um, I didn't notice it. We weren't, it didn't make a big difference. So the WWF belt probably meant the most. Is there a title out there that you wish you had gotten? No. Honestly, Rob, when I got both those belts, I never carried them with me. I made the ring crew carry them. I just didn't have room in my bag. I didn't want the extra weight. Um, I just didn't, didn't think a lot about a belt. I didn't think it was necessary. Now, there's also the talk when, when somebody wins a belt, they're actually given a copy they can keep at home. Did you ever get those kind of belts that you kept at home? No. No? You weren't a big person for ring stuff, were you? Like things no. that came back from matches and stuff like that? No, not at all. Albert asks, when can the West Coast get you out here for a meet and greet? <laughs> I was supposed to be there at the end of August. Um I forget where I'm flying into. Sounds like a Canadian town, but uh, I just hadn't heard back from the folks. Okay. Here's another good one. What are your thoughts on Hacksaw Jim Duggan from Kevin? You know, I'll tell a story about Jim Duggan. One is um, we got some things in common. He used to live in Titusville, Florida. That's where my grandparents lived. My uncle lives there today. I used to see him there all the time. But this is my story about Jim. I remember watching wrestling as I'm getting into wrestling and watching, you know, WWF and WCW. Now I'm in, I'm in WCW and I'm watching WF sometimes. And I see Jim Duggan on there and I'm thinking, and I'm and this is the thing about Lord Alfred Hayes. That's why I think he's one of the greatest announcers of all time, or commentators or what do you want to put him as? But he'd always talk about Jim Duggan as this great human being and jovial and so much charisma and blah, blah, blah. I, wow, man, this guy's really something, you know? And then so I remember seeing him at my first live event working for the WWF. It was in uh, Detroit at the Palace. I was doing a fill-in, I think, for Ric Flair for some reason. So um, he, um, I'm in the dressing room, he comes through the 
you know, curtains back from the ring. I'm looking at him and I thought, wow, man. And I love Jim, so don't take this the wrong way. I said, uh, he's just a fat guy in horrible blue tights. They weren't like holding on to him. They were bad. Yeah. Oh, you know. So, again, when people don't know how that WWF TV at one time, it doesn't do that today. But it made even a turd shiny, you know. It, that that was the interesting thing I think about the uh, 80s and 90s, especially in wrestling. When you w- watch those people and you look back at them now, it's like it, it seems so spectacular. Right. You know, man, that's uh, let me see here. Here's another one. Oh, from Clement. Big Sid, what's your real height? That's right now, about right now, about six, 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 six. Yeah. What did they always bill you at? Because I think it was six, six, nine. Six, nine. That's what I thought, six nine, because you were right up there with Taker. Yeah, yeah, and it was interesting because I watched an older match. Uh, it was when you first came out as Lord Humongous, and Mark was there as uh, the Mean Machine. I think it was Punisher, the uh, yeah. Mean Mark Callis at one there time. But yeah, you guys went nose to nose, and you had a bit of height on him, just a little bit. Yes. Um, Rocky here says, uh, "Got September nineteenth saved for you." Good deal. Thanks, Rocky. Yep, that's the date. There we go. Actually, I did see he just texted me that too. So I was going to tell you after the show, but there we go. Uh, Clement says, thank you very much for that. Um, Here's one from Benjamin. Did you ever work with Jim Hurd? And what's your thoughts on him? You know, I I talked to Jim a couple of times. I I was working in the office there with Ole Anderson there for a while. Um, Jim was pretty nice guy is a little quirky you know like a little boisterous for a little short heavy guy but um i think he did a pretty good job uh you know for someone who didn't know anything about wrestling yeah i think that people said he came from like upper management in kentucky fried chicken but he he seemed to have a pretty good you know did pretty good job i thought for first first person in that position excellent now and, and i just thought of this i should i should mention this this is rocky again September 19th. People are probably sitting here going, well, what is that? Rocky has a Facebook page called Virtual Asylum. So if you want a meet and greet with Sid and to get an autographed picture, all you got to do is check in on that Facebook page for, and then uh, tune in September 19th because that's when Sid's going to be live and you can get your signed pictures yep. and, and a chance to chit-chat. Right. It's it's. I think it's amazing what he's got going on there. Yeah, me too. And what's the other guy we talked to, Rob? That sent Tojo that $500. I want to say thank you to him. That's Rocky. Oh, is it Rocky? Okay, thanks, Rocky. Rocky. Yes. He no, was... it's not... Okay. Oh, it's the other one's Bruno. Oh, Bruno. Yes, he's got something like that, too. Yeah, okay, yeah. Rocky, thank you again, buddy, for that. I haven't. I just I can't believe you did that. That's one of the nicest things I've ever seen anyone do. But again, thank you very much. I'm sure that guy really enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. I have no doubt about that. Uh, here's TJ, TJ Jones. Hey, Sid, do you miss wrestling? Sometimes, you know, like today I've watched a few, um, watching a few things like, um, the documentary about Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. They were in all these towns and it does make me think about, you know, when I hear a town or a building or something like that makes me think, God, I've been there before. I wish I could be there again sometimes. Excellent. Um, where is it? I just saw it. Okay, here we go. Clement had another quick question. Did you have any matches in Japan? Yeah, you did. Yeah, I was over there for about six weeks, my first tour. 
my only tour, I was actually over there um, taking – I was in position to take over Bruiser Brody's place. And um, so I did have a few matches over there. Actually, one fight in the bus with Ron Starr where I knocked him out at the very end of the tour. Um, he just took everything the wrong way. And then um, what it was, we were in a uh, – the whole tour was me to work with Inoki the last – week the last couple of days of the tour well i was the main event he was first match he worked himself up to the main event to work with me and then of course you always put the japanese over so they put me and ron star in a match on the very last night where we could have i could have a match it wasn't so much stress and sort of get over a little bit you know what i mean i wasn't working with the top guy and we were i think we were going over in the match um and what i had seen from all these matches over there um there was no rhyme or reason. There was that ang- the language barrier to start with. And then, you know, it wasn't like in a tag match. You waited for a spot to come in. You just came in and hit someone if you wanted to. And, um, well, that's what I thought, you know. So, uh, and I could have been wrong about that. But so I did that a couple times. And we got back to the back or got in the bus. Ron Starrs asked me what I was doing out there. And I just said, man, I was having a little fun. And um, he said, well, don't do that anymore. And I said, well, I forget what he said. And then I said, well, maybe if we're back on the same tour together, maybe they just won't put us back together and I won't have to worry about hurting your feelings or something like that. So he took a swing at me with a beer bottle and then he missed and I cracked him one time and knocked him out between the, the seats in the bus. Oh man. I got, how did you call a match with that language barrier? You just couldn't Rob. You, you knew the finish and um, the finishes were so long too. I've talked about that before too. They were like 30 minute finishes, which I was never going to get done correct you know i just couldn't do that at that point um so again it just it, it wasn't you know you go in and just for me i was told just to club people and beat people up and that's what i was doing you know so and then you knew what the finish was and when they say go home that's what you did you know uh here we go jimmy sterling has um does sid have the ww network at home and do you ever go back and look at your old matches no, I don't. I've got them all, most of them taped on uh, VHS. But no, I don't. I don't have the network. Um, I don't watch a lot of WWE anymore. It's just, it's just hard to, and it's just not exciting. Um, it's just again, uh, it's too laid out, too scripted for me. You know, I, I like to see, I, I like to see mistakes once in a while. Not all the time, but I like to see some ab living. You know. Um, more what wrestling is supposed to be. So I just haven't been able to watch a lot of it. Gotcha. You've been listening to the Vicious Circle Podcast. Your host, Sid Udi. Co-host, J. Robert Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle Podcast was produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Media, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music, Omega Amigo, was by The Shaman. All rights to the podcast are held by Sid Udi.